Coming to you from the HagmanReport.com studio. Located in the Keystone State, birthplace of a mighty nation, it's your host, Doug Hagman. Welcome to Hagman. This is the Hagman Report for today. It is Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022. I'm Doug Hagman, your host. Thank you so much for your belief and trust in this platform. Um, I, I like to refer to myself as an investigator with a microphone, um, and that's really all. There's a lot of things going on right now. You know, a lot of things hit my radar, including, of course, the obvious, right? The leak in the... Um, uh, from the Supreme Court, which is really unprecedented. I'm going to be getting into that uh, here up front, but also a couple of other things. What's coming next in terms of the scan or scamdemic, plandemic? What's coming next? Ice Age Farmer here is here to tell you was what's coming next. I believe that to be the case. Also, the WHO funding or the uh, Gates funding the WHO and uh, not the band the World Health Organization, and of course, the uh, his role in everything, it appears, as well as George Soros. The reason, of course, why Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff were in Ukraine this past weekend. Why is that? I'll tell you. And uh, the scale of the invasion in the United States. But first, I want to read a uh, quote here. This by Hutton Gibson. Name ring a bell? Last name ring a bell? Mel Gibson's father. And, and Mel Gibson's father is described by the by the world of the internet as an extremist, which it blows my mind. The guy's a World War II veteran. Uh, I, I believe he's passed, passed on now, but um, very, very patriotic man. But here's the quote. Tolerance is the last virtue of a depraved society. When an immoral society has blatantly and proudly violated all the commandments, it insists upon one last virtue, tolerance for its immorality. Pregnant pause there, intentional. It will not tolerate condemnation of its perversions. It creates a whole new world in which only the intolerant critic of intolerable evil is evil. Now, if you think about that, that's where we have been for the last, oh, I don't know, maybe 100 years. And, uh, you, you know, one other thing, too, I want to just mention. Uh, you know, we had uh, talked a lot about President Donald Trump and about some of his decisions and, and what have you. And a lot of this comes down to, now we're seeing this Ministry of Truth, this Department of... Um, Department of, well, Disinformation Governance Board, I guess, to be accurate. You know, allies in the war for free speech, I don't think need a an entire purity test. I'm just saying, when we in the context of, of people like Donald Trump, and we have to be looking for those allies. Just something I, I was thinking about here in the last uh, 24 hours. But getting to the news of the day, it seems like every day there's this big news event. There's two parts to this, the leak and the draft opinion by the Supreme Court. I wrote to Coach Dave Dobmeyer this morning, about 5 o'clock this morning, prior to his huddle. 
And uh, I said this, when I saw the leak of the SCOTUS draft, which is not yet set in stone, of course, and I'll be getting to that in a second, my first thought was that this isn't a leak. This is an intelligence community operation. Think about this now. It's a calculated IC operation, in my opinion. I consider myself to be grounded in the facts, and, and I, I, I do. But I can't get beyond the question of when an initial draft of any opinion, any SCOTUS opinion, was ever leaked in the history of the court. Again, the document, which is labeled as a first draft of the majority opinion, was authenticated by the court today, includes a notation that it was circulated among the justices on February 10th. That's like almost 90 days after it was printed. Okay, hold that thought. Now think about the timing on this. Who leaked it? It was leaked to and printed and published by Politico, presumably in an attempt, I would say, to create this massive social unrest that would lead to one or more of the justices being intimidated into changing their mind. That, that, that kind of seems like the, the primary intent anyway. So let's take a look at, the, at how this could have played out here. The only people with access to the original document, aside from the justices, well, well, we'll put them in there, the nine justices. Among them, they've got 36 law clerks. When you consider that each justice has four clerks working for them on the payroll, I mean permanent, probably narrows it down to one of about 16 clerks working for the four Democratic or left-leaning justices. So, when you take a look at this, and you see, you, you do a deep dive into Politico, I'm going to toss a name out there. Amit, or Amit Jain, that's A-M-I-T, is the first name, J-A-I-N. This is based on my research. I'm not saying it's, it's accurate. I'm just saying. Amit. Amit. Hey, meat. Not, not meatloaf, but Amit. Amitting. A meeting. A meeting. What are you eating? I'm I'm eating Jane. Jeez, uh, I, I I I was looking at this. You know, I'm sorry. Um, you know what I mean. A meet. I'm blushing now. Seriously. <laughs> All right. So A M I T J A I N. This is a, a a male law clerk working for Sotomayor, or Sotomayor. You got to throw that that funny pronunciation in there. Um, directly to Politico. This is based on my research, okay? I'm not saying it's right or correct. I don't know. But the likely suspect, and, and keep this in mind because you're, I believe you're going to be hearing more about, more about this person. A male law clerk working for Sotomayor. The reason, and a couple of people I saw came to the same conclusion on social media. Uh, when you dig down into you, you got to do this big time research and stuff, but you dig down into the um, uh, various law 
people, you know, lawyers and uh, interns and such at Politico. Jane was quoted in a 2017 Politico piece by Josh Gerstein. Now, Josh Gerstein was also involved in the publication of the first draft. So it seems like a reasonable connection, I suppose. Why is this important? And, and why leak this document now? Because the document or the decision is intended, was intended to be made public on or about June 26th, which is the last day of the, um, of the, uh, that term of the Supreme Court before the summer break. So why now? After 90 days of being out there, I, I always like to know why. It being circulated, it's leaked to Politico with about a month plus, what, six weeks to go to the formal decision being announced. Now, this, we know that uh, there are certain, are have been certain uh, primaries today that are important, but okay, was that, was that a particular reason to inflame those primary voters? I don't know, but I do know this. I do know that the backlash of, of this, of pu the publication of this opinion, has already shown its ugly face by the purveyors of perversity, and uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of uh, discontent among the left. So, this to me is a big deal. The the timing of the leak, it, I believe, this shows the the, the leak itself, it, unprecedented, and the timing of the leak shows planning, forethought, right? Some level of, of uh, I'll say it, con conspiracy. Conspiracy behind it, releasing the decision now. We're all looking at this. People are looking at this decision saying, well, purely political, you know. Now, it could very well be. And at the end of the day, it is political, but it's more than that. It's a divisive tool. It's a tool for divisiveness. It's a tool to sow chaos into the fabric of, the, of our country. And it's also a, a way that could be used to put in peril the conservative court justices on the Supreme Court, uh, as well as cries and calls to pack the court and to leverage this into the midterms. But if it was really a leverage into the midterms, would they need to leak it first? I'm asking that question. Literally, I, 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 I don't know the answer to that question. I, I, I suspect, however, that the timing it has more to do with the summer of rage. Remember 2020, the summer of rage that was supposed to happen. It did happen in some respects, but didn't happen at the scale desired. So there is that. I would urge everyone to, uh, to take a look at that. And, uh, I know that the fact that uh, this Jonathan Turley quote, I'll, I'll read this here. The fact that some are praising this leak shows how utterly craven we have become in our politics. There appears to be no ethical rule or international interest or institutional interest that can withstand this age of rage. Speaking of the summer of rage. Um, also noted by many justices can and sometimes do change their votes as draft opinions circulate and major decisions can become subject to multiple drafts and vote trading and the, the court's holding will not be final until it is made public or published 
And I believe that, according to Politico, that is uh, on, or, on or about June 26th, the last day of their uh, term for this year or for this uh, for this term anyway. So there's that. That's going on. I also want to address this. What's happening at the border? Because, you know, people are saying, well, this is a distraction. A distraction against what? Everything then is a distraction if this is a distraction. You know, so I, I really, folks, uh, have you heard this or read that? Oh, this is just a distraction, a planned distraction. Ukraine's a distraction. Against, from what? Against, or from this, or from that. Look, everything then is a distraction. We can do more than one thing at a time. I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, let's keep our eyes on the southern border because the uh, Department of Homeland Security, Mayorkas, admitted, and, and I showed you clips of, of his appearances, but admitted the, the vast scale of the invasion taking place right now. And, and folks, I really need you to really understand how bad this is. 1.5 million unlawful border entrants since January 21st. The scale of this influx into the United States. Now, it's starting to get more attention. This in an article at Conservative Treehouse by Sundance on May 2nd, yesterday, one of the increases, he writes, for the increased spotlight is the scale of the numbers DHS is forced to admit. Up, oh, wrong one. It's all right. I'm getting that too. Um, for those watching on uh, Rumble or Brighteon, that was a little peek into what's coming up next. Thanks, but appreciate that. But... Uh, Mayorkas admitted that since January 21st, 836,000 released illegal aliens plus 207,000 unaccompanied children plus 200,000 to 400,000 that got away and avoided detention. That's the scale since January 21st. When you add that up, you've got 1.3 to 1.6 million illegals, <clears throat> illegal aliens that came through the southern border in the last three months. Now, does that sound like they are seeking asylum? If that was the case, the uh, first uh, country approach would, would be in effect. Of course, that would be Mexico or any of the countries along the way, along their journey that are open to asylum, not the United States. So this is a planned operation. You know that. I know that. Convincing a neighbor, of course, does take some doing. But when you toss the numbers, and I found this yesterday when I was talking with someone during the day, when you toss this number, these numbers, out in, in conversation, people are, are like they're incredulous. You, can't, you know, that, That's not true. You can't prove that out of their own mouths, out of Mayorka's own mouth. You can show them the video. In fact, uh, Conservative Treehouse does have a video from Fox News Sunday. So the general scale is around a half a million a month, as I mentioned briefly yesterday. And it aligns with DHS projections of, what, 18,000 per day moving forward after Title 42 is dropped. And, and I say Look, I've been saying the Title 42 is going to be withheld or going to stay in place. But you know what? Now I'm, I'm thinking, no, maybe not. Um, the fact is, I don't know. It's it's tied up in, in court and such, and I, I just don't know. But there's no reason to believe that the numbers were less 
in the month of January. So we can add another half a million to that. So again, 1.3 to 1.6 million added on. Putting the current year illegal alien releases at around 2 million through the end of April. And a projected 4 million more to come this year. That's a total of, I'll do the math for you, that's a total of 6 million illegals in just 2022. So the current illegal alien population already inside the United States is far north of 40 million. Far north of 40 million. It's closer to 50 million. Now think about that number. 50 million people in our house, inside our borders. This is a deliberate invasion of the United States, of course. Please don't lose sight of that in amongst everything else that we're dealing with. Don't lose sight of that. All right. Now, the other thing I want to mention, the other topic, uh, this should get everyone's attention as well because this also has to do with the um, the uh, dis- Disinformation Governance Board here in the United States. But this now, you can put that up, Eric the Tech, for those watching on Rumble, writing on our HagmanReport.com. Beyond the slush fund, Biden 33 billion Ukraine package includes 8.8 billion to establish a State Department Global Disinformation Bureau and International Civil Asset for uh, Civil Asset Forfeiture. Now, hold on just a second here. What? <laughs> this is why Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff were in Ukraine. The details of the Joe Biden $33 billion supplemental uh, budget allocation have been released. And there's a PDF, which I downloaded and I read through this and actually a couple of different times. It's available on, uh, uh, the link will be in the HagmanReport.com to this article at uh, Conservative Treehouse. The spending request outlines this massive amount of money for various ide- ideological foreign policy initi- initiatives. Under the guise of Ukraine relief, it is not... The proposal outlines, I would put in also in there, also outlines a kickback and bribery scheme. Some of the spending includes an allocation of funds to the State Department, including to USAID. Gee, where did I hear USAID before? Who was on talking about US? Who was on for me? Oh, that's right, Samantha Power. Remember that clip from yesterday? Samantha Power. So, some of the spending includes this allocation of funds to the State Department, including funds to USAID to provide $8.8 billion to the Department of State for economic support and assistance to the people of Ukraine and other affected countries, including direct budgetary support, as well as support for food security, democracy, anti-corruption, cybersecurity, and get this, counter-disinformation. Oh, and then human rights, atrocity documentation, energy, emergency infrastructure needs, and so on. That is on page 41 of the PDF. The request specifically authorizes the transfer of funds globally outside of Ukraine. Apparently, so this is the rub here. Apparently, the State Department is going to set up an international version of the DHS, Disinformation Governance Board. But wait, it gets worse. And this is where the civil asset forfeiture comes. Well, hold on. Wait, it gets worse. U.S. taxpayers... They're also going to, we are also going to subsidize farming in Europe and fund the climate change initiatives 
by paying for the development of alternative energy, energy sources. So we're going green globally and we're paying for it. You're paying for it. I'm paying for it. Eric, the tech is paying for it over in Europe. Thanks, Joey, <laughs> Joey Six Plugs and Pelosi and, and Schumer and Schiff. $500 million, a half a billion support for small and medium-sized agribusinesses during the fall harvest of national gas purchases by the Ukraine State Energy Company. Does the name Burisma ring any bells to anyone? Ukraine Hunter Biden laptop, oh, the, the money laundering operation? Mechanisms to legalize defense contractor kickbacks. The request would authorize Ukraine to utilize foreign military financing program funds appropriated in this act and prior acts to the Department of State to contra or to contract directly with U.S. companies to pr procure defense-related materials, which would facilitate the delivery of military assistance and security sector support. That's on page forty-eight. Read the PDF. Read this. Read this uh, package here. But again, the fact that we are going to establish a disinformation governance board under the tutelage of the State Department, ostensibly to go global. Yeah. Okay, that should really bother everyone because this is, remember, I take you back, remember, to um, Barack Hussein, Barry Satoro, Big, Big Mike's uh, husband, wife, whatever, it takes you back to the fake news phrase that really came into vogue under Barack Hussein Obama. Hussein Obama. Now, now, look, it was around before that, right? But it, that became weaponized, a weaponized mechanism. But here's something else that goes to the um, goes goes to the, the the money operation, the monetary economic operation on a global scale, which is contained within the last segment. And this is important. It's a massive change in U.S. government power to seize Russian private property and assets sell them to whoever Biden chooses, and then give the proceeds of the sales to U.S. politicians, friends, family members, and perhaps even the Ukraine President Zelensky. This, as stated very well by Sundance, is an international version of the current Department of Justice civil asset forfeiture. The United States government, the Department of Justice, the, the Department of Treasury, and the Department of State takes ownership of any targeted Russian asset, sells the asset, to whoever they doggone well pleased, right? And what happens? What happens? Got to turn the page to tell you what happens. All right. To whoever they choose, including personal family members, and then take the proceeds and distribute them to whoever they choose in the U.S. or Ukraine government. That's the rub here as well. Confiscate, for example, confiscate a $200 million oligarch yacht, sell it to Hunter Biden, or BlackRock or Vanguard, this again on CTH, um, for what, $50,000? Yeah, I'll take that deal. I'll take that deal. You're not going to get it, but I'll take it. So give the, uh, you know, sell for 50 grand, this $200 million oligarchy. And you think that, you think this doesn't happen? 
I'll tell you what, I've been to these auctions of seized asset assets by law enforcement. Believe me. You want a bike for 10 bucks, you can get it. At least that's what it used to be. I'm not saying it's been recently. And I've seen the back end of this. Oh, the good stuff goes to the people inside. That's that's where it goes. Oh, that $200 million yacht? Yeah. 50 grand? Make it look legit? Oh, yeah. That's all right, buddy. We'll take care of it for you. So give 50 grand to Zelensky? Either that, uh, you know. So give the 50 grand to Zelensky and then have BlackRock Vanguard deposit 10 million in, we'll say, James Biden or DNC bank account. And no, that's not a joke. Got to read the, read the uh, uh, slush fund proposal, shall we say. And this is why I don't believe we can litigate our way out of this, out of where we're at. We can't, we can't do anything except fight. We cannot, again, going back to my open, we cannot coexist with these people. We cannot coexist with criminality. We can't coexist with, with uh, uh, this perversity that we're seeing. We cannot coexist with murderers. In my opinion, I just don't believe we can. If you're so ideologically set on murdering and are okay with murdering an unborn child and calling that unborn child just a clump of cells, hey, my body, my choice, or, or you know, again, this is a quandary for the left, for the globalist. It's a big quandary because now how are we defining a woman? Because, hey, my body, my choice for women. Wait, wait a second. Shouldn't that be birthing person? Well, guys are making laws against... Uh, um, <laughs> guys are making laws on women's bodies. Well, wait a second. I thought I thought guys could be, get pregnant too. So isn't it a wash there? Doesn't that give us license then to, to make some laws? Do you know what I'm saying? It is so perverse. It is absolutely so perverse. And by the way, this is talked about. Look, I'm not selling books, okay? But it, graciously, Eric the Tech uh, and my daughter Julie got me these these books from uh, Jackie. Uh, I'm sorry, got me these. Thank you. I don't even know. Well, wait a second. Let me do it this way. Clop, clop, uh, clop, uh, clop. But uh, who am I to talk? Right. That, that's the impression of Biden. Um. Try to keep up with me. Come on. So Eric, the tech, and Jackie, let me start again. Got these, got this uh, two-volume set of the specter of communism. And uh, in this, there are so, there's a lot of print space devoted to per, uh, promoting divorce, abortion, and uh, really the assault on nuclear families, biblical families. This is absolutely predicted and of course um, Antonio Glitzen and, and others have talked about this before about how they were going to systematically the communists were going to systematically infiltrate brainwash and take down our, our values and our institutions which again I go back to saying tolerance is the last virtue of a depraved society quoting Hutton, Hutton Gibson so there's that but pay attention to what, what's going on there very quickly I'm going to end this segment with this video. This from the Ice Age Farmer. If you want to know what's coming next, 
I believe Ice Age Farmer nailed it. This came out in April. And we had the Patreon meeting and the discussion about what would come next. Uh, that was among the topics discussed. Well, what's going to come next? Many believe some, some form of hemorrhagic fever. I, look, that could very well be. But Ice Age Farmer makes a very, very good uh, point in this video. It's three minutes long, but I urge you to watch this. The link will be in the program description box for Ice Age Farmer's website. But watch this and consider yourself, I suppose, forewarned because we're, this is not over. The lockdowns are not over. The climate attack, uh, carbon tax, the going green, the green agenda, the build back better. I mean, I'm sorry, the build back better plan, the Obama plan, none of this is over. And just so you know, the, uh, the Disinformation Governance Board will be out in full force between now and the end of the year, the midterms, just to make sure that they've got things tied up, just to make sure that voices like ours, like this platform, and like yours, more importantly, don't get out. And, and also to be clear, that scary poppins that I used to describe Nina Jankowitz is, for those who don't read papers, is uh, a product of the New York Post. That's not mine. I just call her crazy. But watch this Ice Age Farmer. Here it is. My friends, welcome. Yesterday I posted my report detailing the Gates Foundation's funding of gain-of-function research into H5N1, attempting to get it to cross over into humans. And I asked the question, is bird flu going to be the next pandemic? What I didn't realize was that just last week, former CDC director Robert Redfield answered my question. Yeah, I think we have to recognize, I've always said that I think the COVID pandemic was a wake-up call. I don't believe it's the great pandemic. I believe the great pandemic is still in the future, and that's going to be a bird flu pandemic for man. It's going to have significant mortality in the 10 to 50% range. It's going to be trouble, and we should get prepared for it. I do believe that the pandemic risk is a greater risk of the national security of the United States than Korea, China, Russia, Iran. And we ought to start investing proportional to that national security risk so we're prepared. Wow. So the former CDC director, who, for the record, was very much involved in and entirely aligned with Dr. Fauci on the response to COVID-19, is telling us in no uncertain terms that, yes, bird flu will be the next pandemic. In fact, it will be the real one. It will jump into humans. And he even cites the same fatality numbers that the Gates Foundation funded gain-of-function research on H5N1 bird flu was able to achieve by splicing genes from the Spanish flu 100 years ago and the seasonal influenza now to make a mutant hybrid nasty bird flu that'll kill half the world population. That's what the media has been telegraphing us is about to happen. I'm not the only one asking if bird flu will be the next pandemic. In fact, NPR has been putting out pieces 
posing this, sort of setting the stage with some predictive programming. And even organizations like the International Livestock Research Institute has been suggesting bird flu could be the next global pandemic. That is part of CGIAR, which itself was also funded by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to the tune of upwards of a billion dollars in order to create an agricultural system with gender equality and climate resilience. So there is a network of nastiness which has funded the research into the creation of a highly fatal, a weaponized bird flu. Let's get down to brass tacks there. Uh, and is now telegraphing from their various positions, having infiltrated various offices of health and agriculture and food uh, policy, that bird flu will be the next pandemic. Remember, even Fauci himself authored this paper in 2020, where he wrote that pandemics have been happening ever since human hunter-gatherers made the mistake of settling into villages, domesticating animals, and cultivating crops, because it's agriculture that has to be transformed right now. It's the food they're coming after. And they have warned us, and we should heed their warning. All right. Thank you very much, Ice Age Farmer, good friend of the program. He's been on a couple of times and appreciate his work, but I agree with him. Um, all right. Uh, now, if it's Tuesday, it's Tuesdays with Stan. Before I get to Stan, I just want to mention this. Uh, this week and this week only, if you go to HagmanReport.com, HagmanReport.com, and click on the link for the um, Pure Body Extra. This is a detox thing, um, uh, uh, detox spray. I, I'm trying to get an idea how to best describe this. Look, if you're already doing everything right, you're taking your supplements and such, I look at this as kind of like a force multiplier. You spray it in your mouth three times a day. All right. You swallow it. It doesn't taste like anything. And it detoxifies your body. So let's just say you've either got some bad habits or you've got some heavy metals in your body as a result of what? Mm, I don't know. Hey, say the quiet part out loud, right? No, I'm not going to do that but because I'm not going to make any claims. But let, let's say you had to do something that you really didn't want to do, but you did it. And, and mm, is, is there a way to like to mitigate that, the effects of that? Maybe this is the answer, but I do know this. This is the answer for... Uh, heavy metal detox. All right, that's what I do know. And I do know this makes a big difference, has made a big difference in the lives of a couple of people that I know and myself included. Gives you, uh, I, see, uh, I just feel like a lot more energy. So take advantage of it. How much is this first one? Five bucks. Five bucks. Go to HagmanReport.com, click on the link. It's on the page there. All right. And, and please do that. Now, Stan Dale from standale.com, always a crowd pleaser. I'm going to tell you right now, he's one of the smartest men I know. And all of the stuff that we talked about in the first segment that we mentioned is uh, really pertinent to all everything that's going on today. Uh, and Stan, of course, has his finger on the pulse of current events as well as the most uh, important aspects of, oh, earth, sky, weather, climate, you name it, it's there. He, he, he's, he The guy is fantastic. Cause so, oh, by the way, EMP shield, the sun acting, acting kind of fruity right now. If you don't have your EMP shield, man, you got to get your EMP shield for your house, for your car, your generator, whatever, your boat even. I, I don't know. I don't know about boats, right? But because uh, I don't have one. But anyway, uh, get an EMP shield. Go to empshield.com. Use promo code Hagman. Again, that link is on hagmanreport.com. Take it right to it. Make sure you use promo code Hagman. And uh, there, get your EMP shield because... The sun is acting is acting up a little bit. All right, with that, Stan Dale. Stan, sorry for sorry for being late 
on uh, your time here. How are you, my friend? Oh, good. Good. You're looking good. You're right about the sun. I tell you what, this going to be one of the three areas I hit today. Uh, the sun is absolutely doing what I expected, uh, maybe a bit quicker than I expected. But it's not calm, yeah. and it's doing some pretty weird stuff. Um, yeah, according, you, the Middle East. according to your page, man, uh, go to standale.com, folks. Do it now. And bookmark standale.com. And by the way, his intellectual property products, you know, I'm telling you what. Um, I can't speak highly enough about them. All right, Stan, I didn't mean to interrupt again, but I always do. So go ahead and uh, take it away. Not a problem, sir. Um, what did you cover in the first hour you were talking about? Uh, was it political or? Well, it was about, the, the first part was about uh, really uh, the uh, SCOTUS leak, unprecedented. And I identified a man who I believe leaked it who is a law clerk working for Sotomayor by the name of Amit Jain, uh, a male law clerk. When you dig down and, and look uh, at the at his relationship to um, the author, the co-author of one of the political pieces, Josh Gerstein. Uh, so I, I kind of, I'm looking at him because there's only probably about 36 or even about 16 suspects that I would be looking at within the Supreme Court. So, so they covered that, covered the slush fund, Biden, uh, the uh, uh, Disinformation Governance Board, and, of course, at the very last, uh, the H5N1 possibility coming next. Go ahead, sir. All right. Um, well, that's certainly part of what's going on at the moment, what you were discussing there. I I don't understand this this SCOTUS, you know, uh, at the moment uh, there. What do they? What do they hope to gain by this preliminary or, or leak or whatever about what the the um, the result would be? Are they going to turn it over, you know, uh, Roe versus Wade or not? Why would the leak make any difference unless it's going to make public opinion sway the vote of one of those five uh, supporting justices? What What do you think? Well, you know, this was written. The decision was written on February tenth. Uh, it's uh, um, almost 90 days after it was printed, or I'm sorry, this was circulated among, which, what you saw, what people saw on Politico was circulated, uh, began circulated, circulating on February 10th among the justices. That was 90 days after it was printed. So my question is between February 10th and now, why now? That's the problem. Why now? What's the, so I'm looking at this, yes, because this is not written in stone yet. Justices can and have in the past changed their mind from first draft to uh, final final uh, decision. They've changed their mind. So this is kind of, to me, like a at least one of the aspects of this would be to bully uh, the, one of the majority or more of the majority into, uh, uh, into changing their vote. That's my thought. That's the initial part of this. And then, of course, you have the chaos factor, which we're already seeing in Washington. And then you've got the uh, attack on our, our institutions. Now it's coming out. It came out earlier today about, well, maybe this was hacked. Maybe Russia hacked into this, the, the, uh, the SCOTUS system. I didn't mention that earlier, but I saw that. So, you know, it, it's a gift that, to me, that keeps on giving for the globalist left. That's my long answer. And, of course, we are close to the... November elections, uh, would this be an effort to um, change people's uh, support of the Republican Party? Uh, 
candidates. I don't know. No, we got some primaries today. So had some very important primaries. Uh, well, yeah. So you know what? I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure. Stan, you know what? Your guess is as good as mine, but I'll tell you what, it's not good for anybody. Really, it's not. So. All right. Uh, I'm coming to you today deep within a bunker. No, just a backdrop, but <laughs> I'm tempted to go, you know, find a bunker to dive into at the moment here. I mean, Holly and I have been talking behind the scenes here about uh, whether we bring over a lot of uh, boxes of our books and stuff from the warehouse and put them in various areas of our first floor to shield our basement from radioactive fallout. I mean, that's, it wasn't light discussion, but, um, you know, it's about that time, I guess. Are, are you that concerned? I, and I'm legitimately, are you that kind of, uh, are you looking at, at that as a distinct possibility, like something like a nuclear exchange here in the, in the continental U.S.? It is coming. Um, I'm certain of that. Um, regardless of whether you think uh, America is the Babylon of this age will be destroyed suddenly, you know, cast, you know, like a millstone into the sea, but regardless of whether you think that or not, even the Hopi that we visited at their request have told us that Russia and Amer and China are going to invade America and attack it in its major cities, and they're going to have the help of a Middle Eastern nation. I don't know whether that's, they didn't know whether it was Iran or, you know, who, but um, they're very insistent that it's going to happen, and uh, I can see the writing on the, on the wall here. I mean, America is it it total decline. It's um, it's so vulnerable at the moment from within and from without that there's no question that we're going down. Now, as far as nukes, um, I think the blame is probably going to go on Russia to start with, but we know that uh, it's been public, uh, publicly exposed that, that China and Russia have a handshake deal and a contract between them against the United States. Now, that can be taken to be, you know, uh, economically, it can be taken to be we're going to take out America. And I think the latter is the case. Iran is certainly pushing for that. And Iran is very close to both Russia and China politically. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we're considering it. Um, it's a matter of being prepared. We've already run this scenario before and looked at our floor plan and see where best to protect from, from uh, fallout. If we get hit with a direct anvil cloud from, say, Colorado Springs. Oh, yeah, right likely target the contingency of government there in, in that area and uh, to the west in the Cheyenne Mountain and beyond. Anyway, so yeah, for Holly and I, it's a serious consideration. I mean, all the time, all the time we have uh, attack helicopters flying over the house at night and uh, even an Osprey or two occasionally, which shakes the rafters. But we're constantly reminded of, of our target nature just uh, oh, what, uh, 10 miles across the highway at Cheyenne Mountain. Anyway, you, you know, to, uh, to think about that and to talk about that, Stan, is kind of, it's, uh, it's frightening. You know, people, I, I think people are genuinely scared. But, you know, what I see on social media, people are begging uh, to uh, enter into direct conflict as opposed to conflict by proxy, war by proxy with Russia. So, it, 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 to me, these people don't know what they're asking for. Uh, so thank you for that. I appreciate that. And I don't want to extend that in, in, in any longer than you want to take it. Uh, well, I just have a question. And, and this came from a listener last week. And I wanted to, I think it was last week. And I, I promised him I would uh, ask this question. Do you have a, something to measure radiation with at your house? In other words, how do you know when to go out if this does happen? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we uh, right. we have two. We have the uh, old, uh, you know, uh, 
revamped uh, yellow box thing, uh, the you know Geiger counter type thing that was uh, put out by the CDC. Uh, you know the uh, yeah, well, civil defense anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, we've tested it, we've calibrated it, and uh, so we'll know when that's you know recording various things. But we also bought a more modern uh, digital one, uh, and it's a little handheld thing that you can get several models of. It looks like a small cell phone, and uh, we uh, use that uh, for finer accounts of the uh, radiation and type of radiation. Don't ask me what it is at the moment because I no I no worries yeah no worries yeah so Jeff from the five boroughs uh, there's your answer yes <laughs> okay yeah, yeah all right yeah all right now let's see where to start today okay. Um, yeah, obviously, the need for EMP shields, as you said, is extremely critical and, and not in a what if war scenario, but more from the sun. We can see the threats popping off the sun. We'll cover that here in just a few minutes. But that's that's going to be as close to my heart, because I think we're likely to get hit from the sun more than than the uh, and sooner than the nuclear war stuff. Anyway, let's go to the show images page, Eric. Um, and I guess we'll start, um, oh, or let's start in the uh, in Pakistan, Middle East, uh, Saudi Arabia type thing. Slide 52. Now, if you'll recall uh, anybody that was looking at cricket in the old days, a former uh, cricketer from uh, Australia, uh, well, he, he played in Australia anyway, Imran Khan, he's a, a former uh, Prime Minister for Pakistan. He was recently uh, unelected, uh, didn't win the, the re-election type thing. And uh, the guy that uh, beat him out of his office as Prime Minister for Pakistan uh, has pressed charges, uh, criminal charges against him and I think about another 150 other people in his government in Pakistan. Now, why is this important? Well, Pakistan uh, it, it is a key function in the Middle East. It's a balance of power for nuclear energy and atomic bombs, obviously. And Saudi Arabia wants access to the nuclear arsenal in India, uh, you know, kind of almost unrestricted access. Um, so it's important that this regime change, it, is it going to be friendly to Saudi Arabia? Uh, yes, I'll talk about that in about uh, 30 seconds. But uh, India and Pakistan historically were at war with each other. India has its own problems, but the, that that portion of Asia, that Indian Asia, is you know very tense at the moment and very much involved in this uh, terrorism, uh, hiding terrorists, and things like that. So it is important that Khan has stepped down and this new guy stepped in. Now Khan, he was a sportsman, you know, he he was an aggressive player uh, in that cricket, and so his personality was you know tough. The guy replacing him is not so tough. Uh, uh, what's his name? It's Shabazz Sharif. Let's go over to slide uh, three. Here we go. And click on the text. Hopefully that'll take you to the article. New Pakistan Prime Minister secures. Yeah, I'm sorry. Eight. Did you say 53? Just trying yeah. to keep up here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sorry, just, okay, yeah. 53. Okay, thanks. The new Pakistani uh, Prime Minister secures an 8 billion Saudi bailout for cash-strapped country. So here you have uh, Pakistan, which is in need of um, a cleaning of the, uh, you know, like a new broom sweeping out the corrupt administration, as they call it, under Imran Khan. And they've got nukes there. They've, got, they've been giving uh, 
aid, you know, support and hiding to various terrorist organizations within their country. It's no secret. So here we have this new prime minister come in. If you scroll down the page and look at a picture of this Casper Milk Toast, this uh, Shabazz Sharif, he comes over kind of, you know, hat in hand to Mohammed bin Salman, who needs his nukes. And he says, can I... Can I please have some money, sir? We've been so badly managed that the country needs $8 billion immediately to bail us out of our current uh, you know, world debt situation, blah, blah, blah. Now, this is important because it virtually gives control of Pakistan to Mohammed bin Salman. Now, he has already, bin Salman already has about a oh, 37, 38 member nation of Arab states forming together to fight uh, terrorism, allegedly. But they're a, a consortium, which I've talked about many times in the past. So this adding this control to Pakistan and the nukes does give the Saudis a way to bomb whoever they want to, Iran, or if they might turn toward uh, Israel, I don't know. This is a very important uh, development in the structure of the Middle East and eventually the new world order that is coming. It's going to solidify in that time. Anyway, that's... I just want you to keep an eye on your news watch, et cetera, about Pakistan and Mohammed bin Salman or Saudi Arabia, what their relationship is and the sharing of various things in exchange for this $8 billion bailout. Um, I am concerned about that. That's uh, definitely changing the balance of power. One little legend. Interesting. All right. Wow. Yeah. Now, um, in slide 54, uh, Eric, how's your new system going, by the way, your computer system over there? Well, thanks for asking very well. Thank you very much. It, it's You're going to see some other changes, too, come along, but uh, a lot more stable and a lot clearer. Uh, Eric, the tech, are you happy with it? Uh, yeah. Okay. Just a learning curve. Hey. Learning curve. There it is. Well, uh, Eric, does that mean that eventually if I need to, when I have a a map or a video up that I can do a share screen, use my cursor to explain things. Is it still going to be difficult? We're, we're, he, he said, not right now. Still trying to get the hang of the, the basics of this, but uh, in the future, perhaps. Okay. okay. So, well, you know how it is. I, I either have to wave my hands or a cursor to explain things. That's the Jewish <laughs> part of my nature. You, see. <laughs> you always all do right. a very good job of explaining things, but uh, thank Okay. You do. Well, all right. Yeah. If I, had a better command of the English language, maybe I wouldn't need to wave my hand so much, but there you go. Uh, I, I live with an English major, you know, degree person over here, and she uh, frequently explains to me my my errors in how I say things or don't say things. You say, so, I get that. And I'm about as uh, uh, coherent as a very sleepy Joe Biden most of the time. So, you know, look, we're, we're in this together. We're not... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, th- the thing is, is neither one of us have to be, uh, uh, I don't know, or, orators, orders. See, I can't even say that. Orders, orders, or say with me, orators. Okay, go ahead. Or, orators, right, I see. All right. Ooh, rough. Klept, 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 remember that? Don't start. I have trouble in the mornings and in the evenings when I'm tired, so. I know. I know. It's been a day of planting out in the garden and stuff. So, yeah. Yep. By the way, we've got a huge number of plants and stuff. Holly's been uh, digging since I uh, 
not able to do a lot of that physical stuff anymore, but she's put in some blueberries and, uh, oh gosh, uh, seedless grapes. And uh, we're going to be planting seven new trees uh, that are, you know, probably eight feet tall already. We've got to dig those holes out. So things have been keeping us busy today. Anyway, back to, back to news. Um, you know, I ask myself time, sometimes before we do the show, I said, are we just being a news service and commenting or is what we're doing helping someone out there to realize the need to be saved, you know, and, and uh, that would make it worthwhile if we're helping to save people. I, I often wonder, you know, if I don't say enough in here to relate it to prophecy, but. Um, but you, anyway. you know what? You're, you're, yes, I think you do. I, I think, I, I think I fail in that regard, but I wonder the same thing, Stan. I, I wonder if we're, I wonder why. You know, sometimes I, I look at the platform and I say, you know what, what, why, you know, am I making any difference? Are we making, but, but you know, you do a good job of connecting the biblical prophecy side of things to current events and that um, you always do that and you've always done that very well. That's just my two cents. Well, thank you for that. But, you know, I, I guess what I'm wondering is if your listeners, if they share this, our, our shows and the the need to be saved with their friends and people who are on the borderline, you know, with their family and stuff. I, I hope so. I, I yeah, certainly I pray this. So I think, I, think. I, I, I do think I, I hear from people. Um, in, in fact, uh, some, your, your segment, your segment appeals to the more, and, and this is just what I'm seeing on my end, more intellectually uh, grounded people looking for the intellectual component of biblical prophecy in other words let me state say that differently they're looking for um the prophetic tie-ins to current events that's what they're looking for that's what i've heard and people are getting that from you so thank you okay go ahead all right all right now we'll get to slide 54 harry um it's about the uh, the various nations in the north of uh, europe being threatened by russian jets flying right up to their border. And if you look at the article, it says that NATO fighters are scrambling and intercepting, intercepting Russian jets on multiple fronts. So the you're wondering what, is this just saber rattling by Putin or what? It, it would appear so, but it's certainly making the, the uh, European countries very uneasy. Now, and it, it looks like there'll be a couple more, you know, that will probably join uh, NATO as a result of it which is, according to Putin, going to be a death knell because he's going to attack those who join NATO against him. And uh, uh, just, I, I wonder in the background if Putin's generals, you know, the people that are close to him, uh, whether they're generals or intelligence people, whether they're happy with him about to destroy the world and their country particularly. Um, because if, if he irritates enough uh, countries, uh, particularly in Europe and NATO and uh, in China, he might do that too, even though they have a handshake agreement. Uh, it's going to hurt Russia in a lot of ways. So are they at the point where they're going to uh, give him warfarin like they did for you know Stalin and kill him, uh, you know, and uh, put him out of his misery now the way of uh, making the country a target? Um, seeing this saber-rattling at their borders is... Um, is a result, I'm sure, of Putin pushing for action over Ukraine so that he can say, I guess, before he dies, because he does have cancer and they are going to operate shortly. Um, is he trying to do this to say, my uh, 
my great deed was uh, to bring back most of Mother Russia into the fold. And he got Crimea, and, and now he's going to get Ukrainian. And, uh, you know, there are a couple of others he'd like to get, but at least you'll have that much of Mother Russia back together again. Is that going to be his, uh, his memorial? I, I don't know. He, he's just, his illness is affecting his mental state. And I, I, you, you can't have a guy like that with his finger on the nuclear trigger. When I read the Protocols of Elders of Zion, now that was like 30, 40 years ago, I realized it wasn't the Jews doing this, that there is a cadre of wealthy, powerful people, and I didn't say just men, in the pla- on the planet here, who have been directing um, current affairs and wars and things for the whole planet with the objective to make a one world nation government, you know, in the end. And so part of what they said, whoever wrote the, the protocols, one of the things he says, we'll have a dictator in charge of, uh, they call him the king, but the dictator in essence of the world government. But we'll have three closely uh, located individuals around him at all times. So that should he step out of line and do what is against our plan, we will assassinate him. So Putin has somewhere around him, one or more of these three, I'm sure, standing in the wings. And if he steps out of the line too much, they're going to take him out of natural causes, of course. But he's going to disappear from from the scene. So even he knows this, I'm sure, and because he doesn't trust anybody around him for good reason. And so is that escalating his desire to just pull the, the, the plug and just blow up everybody around him, you know, take the world down because he's he's going, why shouldn't everybody else go with him? That kind of mentality. So, I mean. But pretty interesting um, question analysis there. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, uh, Putin is ill, obviously, has cancer, right? So uh, getting back to what you open opened with there, um, yeah, I did. Boy, I'll tell you what, looking at this from other dimensions, and, and that's a dimension that's really not totally discussed. I don't, uh, not readily discussed anyway. So go ahead. That's slide 44, Eric. It's a continuation of this on Putin. Um, he's going to be forced to hand over his control of, uh, of Russia for a while while he's under surgery. And uh, I, I'm sure this must be a, a great concern to him because um, – He's going to be under the knife, uh, under anesthetics and medical treatment for some time. And, you know, he's probably putting this operation off for some time, as the article said, because he, he's afraid of turning power over to somebody else. But he's going to do that. Um, and let's see. Let's tell us that guy's name is um, Nikolai Petrushev, uh, who is 70 years uh, of age also, will take over during Putin's absence, it's claimed. You know, uh, French image pool. Uh, uh, anyway, so, okay. Uh, in a video detailing uh, the general SVR claims, the outlet source, supposedly an anonymous former high-ranking Kremlin military figure, said there seems to be no particular urgency over the alleged sur- surgery, but it cannot be delayed further. Putin has discussed that he will be undergoing medical procedures, and uh, doctors insist that he needs an operation, but the date is not yet determined. So in this crucial time, you know, if you look into Putin's mind as best you can, he's going to have to turn over to this guy sitting here on, a, on his right in this picture about down the page a bit. Um, he must be 
really in a state of quandary because when he turns that power over, it gives that guy the authority to disappear him in essence. Now, unless he has checks and balances against this guy to prevent it, I don't know. But um, we're about to see something very, very dangerous for the world happen as he goes in for surgery. I, I just I find that amazing that one guy like that with all that nuclear power and this situation comes to the point where, well, we have to declare a way to form a world government to stop people like him from having power. What do you think? Hmm. <laughs> what do we know about that um, stand-in? The, the you know, the, the guy who's going to kind of hold the uh, hold the Russia's football. What do we know about him? Do, do we know that he's? Uh, I mean, or I guess we really can't depend on what we think we know, right? Because we really yeah, we can't. Him. And I, I know that uh, they've they've had a somewhat um, cordial relationship over the years. Uh, he and uh, Putin. Um, for Putin to put him there, Putin thinks he has a way to control that guy, or you know, maybe over his family, a threat to his family if he doesn't do what he's supposed to, or something. Um, I don't know. Uh, in his photo, the guy uh, does not; his facial appearance does not appear to me to be a strong, aggressive type guy. So maybe that's why uh, Putin has chosen him to handle the reins for a short time. Hmm. Who knows? Okay. Yep. Who knows? Um, yes. Okay. Back back home with the the diesel situation, fuel prices. Slide forty nine, Eric. Um, if you look at the article, and there's a graph that goes with it, showing the price of diesel, and you have to scroll down here a bit. Well, you can see the picture up in my uh, in, uh, in the show images thing. There, you can. In, that slide let's click on the image first click on the image uh, so you can see this graph this shows the price of diesel in the united states from uh january through to now to, to may and you're looking at a price down here at the beginning of the year which is down around three dollars fifty a gallon for diesel going up to five point two eight you know dollars per gallon so you're looking at almost, well, not quite, so about a 70-some-odd percent gain. And if you're a trucker in the lifeblood, you know, of this country is trucking, taking things here and there and whatever, uh, how can you stay in business? I mean, this graph shows that starting in about uh, early March that the diesel price jumped and it's still going up now. What are these guys going to do? I mean, we've, Holly and I have got friends that are retired truckers now then, and so we get feedback from them on this. Uh, Linda and Daryl, and um, they, I, they like the rest of us, just can't understand how we're going to be able to continue because these are these truckers aren't like in the most part kind of employees or something. They have their own rigs and they're responsible for you know putting the gas in and getting to and from. And mm. you know, we're going to see uh, food and various other things really go sky high because of this. Uh, an owner operator that's what i was talking about rather than belonging yep. to a company or whatever an owner operator drives about seven thousand miles a month and he gets about six and a half miles to the gallon so this would mean where we are now it's an eighteen hundred dollar a month jump in cost to these drivers eighteen hundred dollars a month more well you know they're going to be put out of business there's a 
you know, a, a certain amount of time required before the industry would support the trucker having to charge them that much more. It, it's, it takes weeks and months for this to, to, to occur. And that's going to hit these um, owner operators here. So I, yeah. And that flows downhill. So we, even though prices are high right now, we haven't seen the impact from that yet because of that delay. So no. No, no, right. we're already starting to see it at the, at the Walmarts and grocery stores, various things are starting to see uh, the shelves getting thin, uh, you know, and various products, um, the strange ones at times, but uh, we're, we're going to see a famine. Uh, hit the United States uh, into the lower income brackets, middle income brackets. Uh, if you haven't done food prep storage, you're going to find that you're, that you're getting very hungry because you've got to choose between being able to drive to work and being able to eat. Um, and other choices, obviously, but because of these rising costs and because of the, the lag in delivery and in fact, the lag in availability of various food products, we're going to see a, a, a famine hit various portions of our society here in the United States. And of course, it's going to hit other countries as well. The poorer countries are just going to, they're going to be people dying, like the Bible said in, in Revelation, uh, massive famine. But we already see, in addition to that, the, the beginning of the fulfillment of the prophetic uh, word about uh, viruses and pestilences striking, you know, up to 80% of the population of the planet and, and killing most of these people. Us. Um, and it, it's as I was asking at the beginning about you know how do we explain to people the need to tell unbelieving members or friends that we are in a prophetic time here. Things are happening faster than we can report them. I mean, okay, threat of nuclear war, um, wars and rumors of wars, as, as Jesus said, uh, famines, uh, pestilences, uh, and we're going to have problems with the sun too, as, as far back as the Old Testament prophecies about the sun emitting a cloud that surrounds it of dust-like stuff, and that causes the light of the sun to diminish into the red zone for while that cloud is there, and uh, then various things happen. It, it uh, causes uh, one-third of the planet to burn very suddenly when it erupts and makes uh, uh, like seven times the amount of light coming out of it as normal. Anyway, the, as I say, these are things that people who are just going la, 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 and going vacationing and whatever, gay abandon, um, they need to know it's time to get serious and realize that we're under attack from within and from without. We're, we're in trouble, and, and you can't stop all this by yourself. I mean, President Trump coming back in, he's not going to be able to get rid of all the problems that are now in the country, the eight or nine or 10 million people that are potentially terrorists. There's no way. And so we can't depend on a man to solve our problems. This is where we need God to step in and it's it's urgent that family members realize this i've been talking to my sons and their wives and their and my grandchildren uh you know life is fine school is fine you know sports is fine but understand what is happening on a big scale so that when it hits everyone um you're not surprised and not prepared anyway that's enough of my uh, standing I, on a soapbox I, I agree with that and um I, i'm you know, I, I'm not surprised. I'm concerned about the number of people who are, are kind of clueless. Um, in terms of, let me ask this, because you kind of opened the door for this. Do you think, is there any, how can I put this, with the Supreme Court decision 
perhaps going to overrule Roe. Is would would does God look upon that as a nation um, kind of going back to a more biblical structure? In other words, is is that a positive in, in the book of life? I I, I guess uh, biblically speaking. I would think so, but who knows the mind of God? Um, yeah. When we've we've allowed sixty-five million babies to be murdered, um, just uh, reversing the law now—does that wipe the slate clean? No, I'm pretty sure it doesn't. We've got to do a lot more than just that. We've got to stop it, and then we've got to repair the damage to our culture and many other places where we can have freedom of religion and speak these things, you know, that need to be spoken to people. So. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I was just kind of curious about that. Um, 65 million babies. Yes, it's... It's hard to imagine. Leading cause of death in the United States and in the West, I believe, is infanticide. If not the leading, it's up there. So, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. To the church, he said, be not partakers of her sins, nor of her judgments. Talking about Babylon. Where Babylon, it does say, he does say, when you translate the Greek, my people come up out of her Babylon so that you're not partakers of her sins nor of her judgments. I do think that he's referring to the rapture, to pulling his people out ahead of time. Um, I, I think America's going to go down. The Babylon's going to be destroyed and not be a part of the new world order. Hmm. So anyway, just another side thought. I mean, you look at the terrorism uh, that, that's hitting us at the moment um, internally that, that they're reporting anyway. Um, at one time here last week, the week before, there was like maybe uh, 15 to 18 mysterious bombings or burnings or, uh, or plane crashes into food processing places, which, you know, diminishes our ability to prepare and distribute food. Now it's up to 25. Looking at slide 50, 25 mysterious fires at food processing plants across the United States. End of day's food shortage. Now here you go, you know, prophetically, this is off of the uh, Israel 365 News. But uh, it's uh, it's more than coincidence that 25 of our major food processing plants have caught fire. How many more are going to get away? How many, how many of our food processing plants are going to have some, you know, terrorist, some bad actor in there that puts a poison or a virus or something in our food chain? We are not safe. I, I, I don't know what it takes to explain that to people who are in La La Land here. They just... Don't understand what's about to happen to them. I don't think we can explain it to them. And, and, you know, I've seen this posted on social media, whether it's Gab or Twitter or regardless of the venue. And people are saying, well, there's always uh, fires in these plants. There's always mishaps. There's always this. You should, you know, this has been happening for a long time. But a lot of these these uh, food processing plants are, they're like hubs, as opposed to just a standalone plant, I, now I've I've seen the uh, the various locations on these fires and the stand. It, it this would be like, well, uh, the airport in my hometown going down, which really wouldn't affect air travel to anywhere else, versus the Atlanta airport going down, you know, beginning destroyed or whatever. That's a problem because that's a hub. Many of these plants are like that. So, uh, but people are just like denying reality they're all oh, this is nothing yeah well you just wait go ahead yeah you know um i i 
I look at our military, you know, the DOD and stuff, our, our EMP shield company has very close contact with many of the government agencies. And I saw an article, which I put up in slide 51, which is only the thin edge of what you really need to know and we can't say, but uh, click on that article in slide 51. A congressman is saying to F-35 aircraft contractors, what in the hell are you doing? Lawmakers find out that the DOD's premier fighter can't pass test and will cost $1.3 over its lifetime to sustain it. And, okay, that's fine. But over the past few years, it has become abundantly clear that sustainment is the most acute long-term challenging facing the F-35 program. Sustainment will amount to, to more than 80% of the program's total lifetime cost. Blah, blah, blah. Um, the F-35 mission capability rates are barely over 55%. So its capability is not reaching 100%. Half of what it's supposed to be able to do can't do it. And uh, the 30% of the aircraft capable of performing all their assigned missions can do you know, like close to 100%. But uh, the other 70% are, 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 cannot perform a lot of the functions that they've been designed to do. Why? You know... What has caused this? Is it is it uh, overstepping? You know what you thought you can do to get the government contract, and you can't deliver. You know for the aircraft manufacturers, but our enemies read the news, and our enemies get their own news and intelligence about how bad off our aircraft are. And so, when you think about you know American F thirty five is you know really the the leading edge of our aerial technology and stuff, and boy, we we can take down the baddies. Uh, that's not. That's not the truth. Uh, we are very weak in that department. Uh, you know, uh, a new aircraft coming in needs to have spare parts and, and technicians trained and all over the place, not just in America. They have to place them where the F-35s are and do other countries and we've allowed to have them. Um, I, I, I just, I, I marvel again at what gets published. Uh, this I can tell you about because it's in the news, but our... Mm, there are other things that have fallen down greatly. I, I love how you just stop short. You know, uh, folks, Stan knows a lot more than he can say. And, uh, you know, I don't know what he knows, but I do know it ain't good. So, but, but hey, don't worry. Diversity is within the military. And if you've got purple hair and you want to trans uh, into uh, some other perverse lifestyle, they'll help you. So, there's that. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I had to laugh. Sometimes the news, uh, you, you do get to laugh um, at, at stupidity. But um, pirates, you know, attacking super yachts and stuff like that are the wealthy. And, you know, um, they, they virtually just can do whatever they want. Well, slide 45, Eric, slide 45. A super yacht captain used psych or sound weapons to fend off pirates. Not only did he do that. They also deployed a pain ray, which causes a burning sensation on the skin. So these pirates attacked this guy's luxury ship. And the captain had these things, the foresight, whoever owns the yacht, put these weapons in there that, in essence, causes the flesh to burn or feel like it's on fire for people trying to get on board the craft. And the sonic weapons you know, are just impossible to think when, when those hit you. I mean, it's used for crowd control and things like that. But... Uh, you know, you fall to your knees with the pain from the sound waves. 
and I just had to laugh. I can I can just picture these buggers coming up in their little inflatable things with guns and saying we're going to take over, and then finding out that it's a bad day for them. <laughs> yeah, well done, exactly. <laughs> um, the uh, only question I have is, where can I get one of them for my super yacht? <laughs> Or, yeah, or, or how about right. my car? You know, yeah, I'm telling you yeah. what. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the state of things right now. Uh, but I'm okay with that. You know, just as if uh, if I'm driving uh, and you're, you're blocking my my way, run them over. And if you're yachting and you can afford it, fry them. Go ahead, man. Stop. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. you go. That's that's good. Uh, another thing that that, that I. I've had up for this week and last week, but I uh, wanted to re, re uh, well, to discuss it because we didn't have the show to right? That's work right. on air. Yeah. But uh, slide 43. This is um, talking about uh, Israel and its money movements. Now, Israel and the United States supposed to support each other and everything, but Israel's central, central bank replaces the U.S. dollar reserves with Chinese currency. So in essence, they're aligning their financial structure now then with China. Israel's doing this. Amid a bevy of sanctions against Russia to cripple their economy for attacking Ukraine, several countries have become cautious of the risk involved with a U.S. dollar-based global economy in what is being called or coined de-dollarization, possibly paving a path for the yuan to increase its international prominence. Bloomberg reported that Israel added four new currencies, among them the Chinese yuan to its central bank holdings in an unprecedented move in the country's history. Additionally, Israel's central bank will cut U.S. dollar and euro holdings to diversify its foreign reserves. Now, boy, if that doesn't worry you, I don't know what will. I, uh, anyway. Well, you know what? They're, they've wanted to kill the U.S. dollar and its status as the reserve currency, and they're doing it, and we are going to suffer for it. And, you know, I look at the, uh, the metals prices, silver, gold, and that kind of thing. Um, boy, they, they're going down. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. No. Um, it, it makes no sense. So we, we know everything's manipulated. And, wow. But that, that, that news. Yeah, okay. Let's side with China. Go ahead. And, you know, also you've got like the uh, – the, the, uh, the Saudis, I mean, uh, Mohammed bin Salman is a part owner, if not all owner nowadays, I'm not sure, part owner of a bank over in um, uh, Mecca. And they've been developing uh, Bitcoin and blockchain uh, systems for, gosh, maybe four or five years now at least. And Mohammed bin Salman is looking at getting programmers in to make the blockchain economy the, the, the way that they do business in Saudi Arabia and some of its uh, satellite countries or friends. Now, what this means is Mohammed bin Salman, still on my, my suspect list for, you know, false prophet or antichrist of this time, ha forming a global economic system that works to track virtually everything a person or a company does economically. Uh, in this blockchain economy that he wants to set up and make it, you know, go global through his banks. He is, he is setting up a system or he wants to with his programmers where if you buy a car from somebody that's owned it for a while, that transaction will be recorded in a central global data bank. 
a blockchain data bank. And the blockchain has information on that car, who owned it previously, um, and who they bought it from, and what they paid for it, when. And now then you buy that car, your name gets added to it as the current owner of that vehicle, but the vehicle's ownership and history is there in the past. And, you know, it, it'll go to like food consumption. Uh, you're buying this food that's from the grocery store. Where did that food, food come from in the uh, Walmart? Well, with the blockchain track on it, you can find out who supplied it and uh, go back in its history. Uh, wonderful information to have if you've got a friendly world government, you know, and a friendly in charge of it, a, a fair person, because that allows them to track, you know, like um, uh, things that need to be recalled because of, uh, you know, uh, fungus or something detected in the, the, the food or uh, certain cars, you know, uh, you can tell people, right, we've got to bring these back in for a recall. I mean, that's minor things, but um, the global government under one person will have such information available like that, that you won't be able to virtually breathe without everything that you're doing being recorded on this blockchain, huge amount of data. And that is not, you know, an amount of data that we, that we uh, uh, are shielded from because of uh, limitation to uh, computer power. The computer power today is so powerful that for every living human being and probably every animal on the planet, they can process data daily a thousand times what you do, what that is. I mean, the, the, the amount of computing power available now then is just unbelievable. And a large portion of that is dedicated not only in the United States, but in China and Russia, primarily China and the United States. So into artificial intelligence, into semi-conscious computers who will make decisions based upon what their programmers have put in as value choices. And I stress every time, artificial intelligence is programmed not by one person, one personality, one programmer, usually by several. And if they have different value judgments on how to act in a certain situation, then you're going to create unpredictable results in the, the reactions of the AI or the artificial intelligence to world situations or to local economies or whatever. They, they just can't work when you have a schizophrenic behavior because of the multiple uh, personalities who have programmed these things. Anyway, that's wow. I digress. Wow. Yeah. Important digression, nonetheless. Let's get to the sun. Okay. The sun is really interesting. Let's look at slide 42. Click on the picture, the graph there, Eric. And uh, you can click on it and enlarge it. But uh, before you do that, look at this graph. This is from uh, May of 2018, four years ago to now. And this um, interactive solar radiance, uh, irradiance detector, what this, this, uh, this organization does is it takes, um, I think it's four um, primary ultraviolet uh, spectrum emissions from the sun trying to measure the, the light output, in essence, of the sun. Now, we've got infrared and, and that heat, which we feel. and uh, But this is ultraviolet, and it's a, a rather true test of the, the, the amount of light that is radiated from our star, from the sun. Now, if you look at this, you'll see that back in uh, 2018, it was a lot lower than it is now, relatively speaking. And if, as the graph progresses over to the right, 
in January of 2021, suddenly, this has nothing to do with COVID, guys, the sun started emitting more and more light. And I've had several people over the last few years say, it seems that it's a lot brighter outside. And that's the ultraviolet, of course, the blue ultraviolet spectra that are, are causing you to feel that in your eyes. But look at where we are now at the right of the graph. If you click on that with your mouse and zoom it up, you can see that um, there are wide uh, fluctuations in the radiance of the sun. But in general, it is on about a 40-degree incline, increasing solar output of solar radiance. Why? And why is it forming these, these, uh, these sudden drops and, and, uh, and rises along this graph in the, in the last year? Uh, I've tracked this down to some of the things we're seeing, where we're seeing coronal mass ejections and huge flares and stuff like that coming off the sun. Well, how much time have we got left, uh, Doug, this evening? We've got about uh, six minutes or five minutes. Okay. All right. Anyway, if, if you've been feeling that you're, you felt uh, you know the sun was too bright in your eyes over the last couple of years, this is why. This is why. And it's a symptom of something wrong with the sun. Um, let's look at slide 39. Click on that. It's just a short little video of the last uh, two or three days. And if you're not impressed with this, there's something wrong. I mean, that's, uh, you know, you can click on the bar and restart it. It's, it's a boiling pot and it's early in it's, it's intensifying. The sun is not stable. Um, look at slide 41, click on that, Eric. That gives us some some specific slides uh, out of that video you just watched showing the, the intensity, you know, and the number of these things, uh, of these flares and emissions from the sun. Now, fortunately, all these that we're looking at here were basically not earth directed, maybe earth grazing in one case, but uh, things on the sun are becoming very, very uh, threatening, interesting. In slide 40, you're looking at a new sunspot. Uh, let's see here. Does it show it there? X-Class Flare. Yeah. Click on the actual picture. This is showing, it's a, a video showing this, the sunspot that they discovered. And uh, it's, you know, and they call it a large sunspot. As I say many times, sunspot number is one thing. Sunspot areas is, you know, how much uh, cross-sectional area is another and they they say it's growing rapidly um and it didn't exist yesterday which was two days ago now it contains more than a dozen moon-shaped or moon-sized dark cores the region appears to have the type of magnetic complexity that could lead to us to strong flares if it is uh, if its development proceeds uh a pace of what it's doing now so they're just telling you there that they're seeing some some things on the sun that are really impressive to them Go down to slide 37. I don't know what to make of this. Uh, it's probably a normal progression, but if you look at this uh, image of the sun and magnetic fields on it, you know, yellow being one polarity and green being another. Um, look at the northern hemisphere. You see an arc going down to the, to the equator. Look at the southern hemisphere. You see an arc going up to the equator. And it's as though this is a band of stuff circulating inside the core causing these you know, eruptions or coronal mass ejections or something. I don't know. But it's, um, it just, it seems odd to me, this pattern forming on the sun. As though 
the sun, maybe, I don't know, maybe the, the area we're looking at here on the surface of the sun is uh, thinning or weakening, it's showing us these activities closer to the surface. Anyway, I just I thought that was worth wow. looking at. Look at slide 38 quickly. If we click on that, that's our, our heliograph. All right. And that's showing what's coming. That bright white light over there on the left only shows a portion of what's coming because the other satellite doesn't work anymore. But within five days, I suspect we can see this active region in the southern hemisphere of the sun moving right into Earth directed, and it doesn't look like it's slowing down. Another reason to, you know, if you haven't taken care of your, your, your equipment with an EMP shield, you might think about it. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And the sun is really the prime mover in uh, responsible for climate change. If one is to adhere to climate change, I mean, the, the climate's changing, but it's the sun, right? It's fair to say? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Tell me when I'm getting close time wise, but we got about uh, a minute. Okay. 46 through 48 the slides deal with uh, the Kushner family and the Kushner family, Mohammed bin Salman and how the Kushner family are involved in um, the Kabbalah, which is Jewish mysticism and in, in a type of faith that is definitely steeped in mysticism like that, which is not healthy. Um, and in slide 48, there's a, a mention here that a lot of the rich princes in uh, Saudi Arabia are trying to sell off their expensive homes and yachts and stuff to avoid the attention of Mohammed bin Salman, you know, because uh, he'll, he'll confiscate these things if he needs them. So, you know, they're afraid of him. And I thought to myself, well, okay, you might sell off your yachts and your houses and everything that are rich to not draw attention, but he's going to know that you've sold them. So where are you going to hide the money that he can't get to them? You know, is he going to get you and your family and lock you up until you give it to him like he's done before? So, you know, the, the Saudi princes over there, the rich folks in Saudi Arabia are all wondering, you know, how good it is to be rich under Mohammed bin Salman. Anyway, that's enough. Wow. All right. And th that's not a small issue either. So keep watching. Stan Dale from standale.com. Folks, go to Stan Dale's website. Make sure you become a Patreon member uh, with Stan. It's standale.com. Stan, I appreciate you coming on, and thanks for thanks for your patience with uh, with us as we changed systems. God bless you, my friend. Good stuff. Lord right. bless you now. Bye-bye. All right, folks, that'll do it for me. Have a great night.